singing and celebrating about somebody's blood. But when you understand the scriptures that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. There can be no forgiveness of sins, which is why they had blood sacrifices in the Old Testament so that they could be forgiven of their sins. But Brother Raymond, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have received atonement once and for all. That we don't have to continue to give sacrifices and sacrifice. He is the perfect spotless lamb without blemish that was given that would buy the remission of sins for everybody and anybody who needs forgiveness from God. So that every day we can come back to him anew and his blood is there. Not that we sin so we can get forgiveness. <laughs> that, that's not what I've said. When we sin, I think John said it best, not John Minton or Boyette, but John who wrote the Bible. I think John said it best when he said, My little children, these things I write unto you, that... That's where you're supposed to finish it, Bible scholars. Let's try that again. My little children, these things I write unto you, that... Okay, maybe that was too broad. That you sin not... Because we're talking about the blood of Jesus. But if you do sin, the scripture says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation of our sins. So John's point was you are not supposed to sin. If that's John's point, then we have to understand, Brother Arnold, we can live without sinning. I'm not saying it e is it, it's easy. I'm saying it's possible. Because John said, the point is don't do it. But if you do, here's how you fix it. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, coming and getting forgiveness the same way you did the first time. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're going to continue talking about prayer, prayer practice. And while you're turning there, it's good to have several uh, visitors here this morning. Some folks that you have seen before. Go ahead. You can give them a hand clap. Some folks that you have seen before. Some folks you haven't. Some folks I've seen before. Some folks I haven't. Regardless of whether you've been seen before or not, it's good to have you here. <laughs> and, and if you haven't felt at ease already to join us in engaging our Father, then please do so. Because He is here for each and every one of us today. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Matthew, the 6th chapter, and I'm going to be reading verses 5 and 6. If you've got it, say praise the Lord. Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Everybody say, they got it. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Say, you'll get it. They got it. By your head, if you would, please. Father, we just thank you right now for your presence that is here, for your word, Lord Jesus.
Your word is spirit and it is life. And it will quicken us. It will come alive to us and it will speak life to us right now as we've just heard it. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and it will lead us and guide us every step of the way. Your word is life unto our being and health unto our flesh and it will infuse our souls with life and it will bring about health and wholeness to our physical bodies as we receive it. And Father, we just thank you right now, God. We ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're talking about the private practice of prayer. And this morning, the title is The Promise of the Private Practice of Prayer. I was trying to see if I can get as many P's in there as possible. But there is a promise associated with the private practice of prayer. Again, we're, we're falling under this general heading of prayer practice, of, of, of prayer in general, but the idea that we are supposed to practice prayer. We established last week when Jesus said, when you pray, we established the fact that Jesus did not tell them to pray. It was a given. It was an expectation that they understood that they need to. And one of the reasons they, it was an expectation is because they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, just like John taught his disciples. So he's already operating from the mindset of, if you're going to be my follower, you already understand you need to pray. We also established that from Luke's account, as I just said in Luke 11 and 1, that it was the disciples' request that initiated this. See, I always warn people, be careful what you ask God. When you pray for things and when you ask for things from God, make sure you're ready to hear what he's got to say. Now, the flip side of that is ignorance is not bliss, and if you don't ask God and you remain ignorant, that does not mean you're excused. But a lot of times we, we in, in, our, in our human self and in, in our human presence, we, 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 we say we want to know things and we want to know this and, 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 and we ask God and then he tells us and we're not prepared to handle the, question, the answer that he gives us. We're not prepared for my responsibility in his answer. Because when God gives us an answer, I have a responsibility to his answer. I, I, I have a general responsibility that whenever he speaks to me, whether, whether through prayer or in his word, when, when he speaks, I am now accountable. I'm accountable. And when I know the truth, I'm accountable to live it. I can, I can convince you that I might not know that to be truth. But I can't convince God I don't know it because he knows what he taught me. It's kind of like my kids telling me I didn't tell them how to do something right when I know I did. Or they're going to do something wrong and tell me, Brother Arnold, that's the way you showed me how to do it. Oh, please don't do that. I, I, I don't know how God feels. I only know how I feels. I get a little uppity when people tell me what I do or don't do when they're completely wrong. Wow, did y'all get quiet? <laughs> we got Methodist in a minute there. <laughs> Jesus said when you pray enter into your closet King James says closet the, the new King James said go into your room 
we discussed this briefly, briefly last week as well, that God expects us to have a private place with him. It doesn't necessarily have to be a closet. It can be a closet. It doesn't necessarily have to be a room. It can be a room. But it, Jesus is saying there needs to be a private place where you get alone with God. Not in the sense that this is the only place and the only time that you talk with God, but more so in the sense of this is a special private time that we have with God. It, it, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, when the kids all go to school, Michelle and I kind of take advantage of that time sometimes. And uh, my eldest wants to get an attitude sometimes when she finds out that we went out to lunch to such and such a place because she likes that place and why didn't you just wait until we were all home? Well, <laughs> well, for numerous reasons. <laughs> Not that I need to explain them all to you, but, but, but number one, let me just be my frugal self. It's way cheaper with just the two of us. <laughs> Can I get an Amen. The real reason, Brother Jeff, is that it was something that me and my wife were doing. It was a special moment. It was a special private time that we shut everybody else out. And even though we are in a room with other people, we shut them out. And it's us and our table and in our moment. And, and, and we might not be discussing anything earth shattering. And it might not be anything really monumental for, for the advancement of our family. But Brother Raymond, it is just us having special private time together. Even if it's only 45 minutes to an hour, it is me and my wife. It is a special moment. A special moment in time. And Jesus is telling the disciples, you need to have a place where you have a special private time set aside for you and my Father. That's one of the first things that you need to understand. And just like with my relationship with Michelle, if I do not have a regular private practice with Michelle, I neglect that relationship. If I do not have a regular, private practice, special time with God, I'm neglecting my relationship. Michelle and I talk when the kids are around. It's a lot more difficult. Michelle and I talk when other people are around. It's a lot more challenging. We spend time together when other people are around. However, in order to keep our relationship fresh, and to continue building the depths of that relationship, we must spend private time together. Period. We could be married, still in relationship, but missing out on the best part of the relationship because we don't have special moments of private time together. Still married. Still in relationship. And I wonder how many of us as Christians, that's our walk with God. Still in relationship with God. Still in love with God. But you're missing out on the special private time moments with God. And so therefore, you don't have those special moments. You don't have those special times. And therefore, you don't understand what you have. Because you're not diving in in those secret times. 
still in relationship with God. But you're missing out on the best part of that relationship with God. Jesus said, when you go into that room, shut the door. And I kind of hit on this already. It, it's a time when it's just you and God, you in prayer, in worship, in reading and studying the word of God. See, there's a time for a corporate pursuit of God and there's a time for a separate private pursuit of God. There's even a time for, maybe it's not a corporate, but maybe it's just a, a Sunday school size or, or, or two or three or four or five or, or, or six of you. But, but, but there's also that, that private time with God. All of these things are important. All of them are necessary. We need to gather together like this, like God's people and pursue him worship him praise him uh, pray unto him seek him we need to do this as God's people but if this is the only time that we do this then this is pitiful because you got you got to understand this what we're doing right now at best at best it is a culmination of what we are individually. What we do as a church, when we get together like this, at best, it is all of us added together individually. So the reality is, Lance, if, if, if you and I aren't much of anything Monday through Saturday, we're not adding a whole lot to Sunday. And I understand we all have up weeks and down weeks. We all have struggles. We all have hills and valleys. But Jesus came to restore a relationship. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of sins. He came to restore a relationship that our ancestors destroyed. And so through dying on the cross, we can get forgiveness of our sins but that is so we can come back into the right relationship with God our father and in order to keep that right relationship and, and and to dive into the depths of what it is we need to have private time with God when you shut the door on everything else and it's just you and God no distractions things in life tend to crowd in and distract us relationship issues job issues financial hardships unexpected emergencies kids, extracurricular activities, church activities. Everything crowds in and distracts us. Distractions of life take us away from what is necessary, that private time with God. Do you, do you understand there are, so many, there are so many people in ministry and in churches who their own prayer life suffers because of how much work they're doing for God? So many ministers sacrifice their own prayer time because they're so busy the distractions take them away from what they need and I thought rather than letting distracts, distractions rather than letting life distract us from God we should let God distract us from life we let so many things take our mind and our thoughts off of God when God is saying, cast all of your care upon me because I care for you. When Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So God doesn't want us distracted from him. He wants us to use him to distract us from the cares of this world. 
Because when we get lost in him, we understand all this, the, all this that I'm going through right now, it's fleeting. It's going to fade away. And, 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 and however, God's going to work it out. I don't know how, Lance, but he's going to work it out. And, and, and even if I don't initially like the way he works it out, I know he's going to work it out for my good because that's what the scripture says. So why not get lost in God rather than being lost from God by the cares of this world? Jesus said, pray to your father in secret, Matthew, uh, Matthew 6 and 5. Jesus told us, don't be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites are the people that love praying to be seen. Now, we, we have to understand this, and I, and I have to clarify this as a loud person myself. Just because you are loud does not mean you're doing it wrong. Just because you're being seen while you're doing it does not mean you're doing it wrong. Jesus is dealing with the why of, how you, of, of your, what you're doing. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want to be seen by people? Because that was the issue with the hypocrites. They wanted to be seen. They weren't looking for intimacy with God. They were looking for the intrigue of men. They, they were literally using God. God was a pathway for them to get the attention of people. It's wrong. It, it, like I said, it's not wrong to be seen praying. It's wrong to want to be seen praying. It's wrong when you're praying if the whole time you're praying, you're thinking, is Brenda looking at me? Who's, who's why? I, I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm singing my heart out. My arms are raised. Is, is, is John watching me? Is, is Arnold looking? Is he, are they amazed at how good I'm doing? No, see, this, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Jesus, Jesus said, pray to your father in secret. The word in, and you, you've already heard me reference this, but this, this is how awesome I think the word of God is that God can take such a simplistic word and just repeatedly pound it home to us. This is that, that tiny little word in, which means fixed and unmovable. Jesus says, when you pray to your father in secret. So in other words, when you are fixed and unmovable in a position of private practice of prayer to God, Jesus said, when you enter your room, that's how you're supposed to be. I'm not going to be moved from where I am. Other things may move around me. Uh, other things may change in your life, but the private practice should not change. And too often, this is exactly what does change. We go through things. We go through hardships. And I may still pray, but the time that I spend in private prayer changes and the way that I pray changes. Because the private time that we're talking about, it's private time to build a relationship. It's, he's not talking about a private time to tell God everything you want so he can give it to you. When I spend my private moments with Michelle, I don't tell her everything I want. I don't spend the whole lunchtime talking about me. If I do that, she's not going to want to go out anymore. Or maybe she will, but she'll want to sit at a different table. <laughs> but we can't sacrifice our private practice when times get rough. Times get rough, and we usually don't stop praying. We just shorten the amount, of, amount that we pray, and they just become all about us. They become all about redeem me, save me, deliver me, get me out of this mess, God. And 
you're not building a relationship like that. Let me just don't don't answer. In your head. In your head. Do you like hanging around people that only talk about themselves and always want from you? We can't take that kind of attitude to God. Because this private practice is supposed to be about building a relationship. Jesus goes on, he says, your father will reward you openly. Again, now, now in secret, the word in comes from the, 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 the Greek word, um, which I don't know what the Greek word is, 1722, if you want to look it up, Strong's. Ironically, when Jesus says your father will reward you openly, openly comes from the exact same Greek word, 1722, in Strong's numbering system. Translated in our English language into the word in, also translated into the word openly. But when you understand what the word means, being fixed and unmovable. So Jesus says a very simple statement. When you're fixed and unmovable in your private time with God, when nobody else sees what you're doing, God is fixed and unmovable when he rewards you publicly. So that when you're in your private time, I don't have to be pouring my heart out, Lance, and, and saying, oh, why, why, woe is me, oh, why is this happening, why, why am I going through this, and why is so-and-so doing this to me, and why isn't this changing, and why is this, and why, 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 why? I don't have to do that because I already know what the Word of God says. I already know what the promise of God tells me. When I'm fixed and unmovable in my private time with God, God is fixed and unmovable in the way that He rewards me openly. So I, I understand at that point, Brenda, it's not about me rewarding me it's not about me telling God how to reward me it's not about me telling God when to reward me it's all about me understanding that when I do my part God does his part so if I am fixed God is It's kind of like making up your mind doesn't, doesn't matter. It's me and God. Doesn't matter what happens. It's me and God. I'm not, I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. It's me and God. So when things don't seem to be going your way, this shouldn't change. You and God shouldn't change. The only way, if it changes, the only way it should change is because you get along with God even more. And, and, you, you, and you try to build relationship even more and you try to, to dive into an even, even deeper depth with God because you understand I've got a promise in God that if I take care of that, he takes Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. No, I don't understand. I don't know what you're going through. But do I need to know what you're going through when, when the word of God gives us this promise? Amen, pastor. Good word, pastor. Preach, pastor. I'm going to. Thank you. The psalmist David said it this way. He said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you dwell in that secret place, you have the covering of God over your life. 
You don't need to know somebody's name. You don't need to have a specific relationship with somebody on your job. You don't need to ha have, the, have the right person in your corner. When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you, you live under the shadow of the Almighty. So he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. But, but the question is, can you dwell under, under his, in that secret place? Can you get your address changed? Can you get your mail in that secret place with God and never forward the address again? Some of us move around too quick. Some of us move around too much. Trouble pops up and we immediately start leaning on other things. We immediately do what, what uh, either Solomon or David, I, 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 don't, I, I think it's Solomon in Proverbs, we immediately start doing what he tells us don't do. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. We, we, we need to do a change of address. And we need to get rooted and grounded in a private time with God. Examples of people in the Bible that did this. <clears throat> and the first one, he's a great example because he did this and at the same time he was messed up too. David. He understood the importance of a private practice with God. As, as a little boy, he was left alone with his father's sheep out, out in the wilderness, out in the fields, all by himself. Him, sheep, a staff, and a harp. He's out there just watching sheep playing worship songs, just watching sheep praying to God, just watching sheep writing worship songs. It's just him, sheep, and God, him, sheep, and God. And, and he had plenty of time to pursue and to write and to play and, and to worship God because he was all by himself. He practiced a lot. A bear and a lion came along. He killed them both. No audience. And I'm convinced unless he had the carcass to show his dad and brothers, they never believed him. Because if Josiah came and told me, Dad, I killed a baby today, Josiah stopped lying. <laughs> and if he don't have a carcass or a claw or a paw or a nose, but David did it. Because of David's private practice, when Goliath shows up and nobody will face him, David says to King Saul, don't be afraid, I'll go fight him. And they all look at David like he's an idiot. But David had a private practice. See, you might want to write this down. When you know what you do in private, you know what you're capable of doing in public. And the converse of that is true. That might be why you fail in public. Because you know what you do in private. Daniel versus the lion's den. Daniel had a private practice of pursuing God three times a day. The king was tricked into writing a decree, which, which was basically, Daniel, stop, or you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. Daniel didn't stop. For those of us who know the story, we know that. Even at the threat of being thrown in the lion's den, he was fixed in his private practice with God. God rewarded him openly. Three Hebrew boys, they began a private practice with this said Daniel that I just spoke of. When they all began, that set the tone of their lives. Daniel went his way, they went their way. Long story short, they were told basically the same thing. Stop it, 
<laughs> and they said no and they got thrown into a fiery furnace they got thrown in but they walked back out and I ain't trying to have a, a Pentecostal moment right now but I, I just think it's neat they threw them in and they had to request for them to come back out <laughs> they weren't even anxious to get out I don't know how you find a secret time with God where you find yourself in the middle of a giant fiery furnace and don't want to leave. How do you get so alone with God where your natural senses click off that are telling, because you know they still got their natural senses and you know their senses are telling them, fire, run! And they're still in there waiting for the king to say, uh, could you come out here please? Their private practice showed up in, in their public reward from God. Okay, now as I wrap this up, we all fail or succeed because of our private practice. And, and, and that, that's not, I mean, I'd like, to make, I'd like to just think this was just a high and lofty spiritual thing. It's, it's not. This is a life thing. If you don't have a structured private practice, you will not excel at anything. Brandon, you're teaching a bunch of little kids. I'm sorry. Um, Brandon, you're spending a bunch of time with a bunch of little kids <laughs> trying to teach them soccer. And I've seen very tiny, short video clips and I think I've heard you say it's pretty much like herding cats. <laughs> because they have little knowledge and zero practice. And so when you have little knowledge and zero practice, that's what you get in public. Now, if these same kids between now and high school time, if they're still the same way on the team, it can only be for one reason. They have no private practice. We fail or succeed because of our private practice. So the question this morning is, how is your private practice? Are you fixed and immovable in your private time with God? And I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, I've never set a time limit. I've never said in your hour alone with God. I've never said, I've never said in your, with your 30 minutes alone with God. Because here's, here's what I firmly believe. You start spending time alone with God and the amount of time will no longer matter. If you focus on, see, it, it's, and, I've, and I've, I've used this exact same example before. If I'm trying to spend t private time with Michelle and the whole time I'm spending time with her, I, I don't got to watch. I keep doing this. Done. I made it. Ten minutes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, was that was that a special time? A special time is coming because she's going one lump or two. But if I just I'll instead focus on this is this is the woman that I tell I love every day. This is the woman that I do love. This is the woman that I've committed my life to. This is, the, this is the woman that tricked me into having three kids. No. 
Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, protect me. Protect me, Father. Uh, <laughs> as soon as service is over, if I could have my armor barriers fall on me. But, but I, I, I say I love her. But if that's the way I treat my private time with her, Danny, she has the right to question, do I love her? She has that right. She has it because I give it to her. Now, I, I know there are times when we get distracted. We've gone out, and this has happened to both of us. One of us has told the other one, okay, it's us. Put your phone down. Don't know what you're doing, but it's not more important than this moment right here. And I understand that that's not a normal for us. I, I'm talking about if, if that, the whole point of this was how much time you spend with God. Just focus on God. Let time take care of itself. You, 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 want, you want a time frame to begin with? Just begin with 15. If you don't make 15, then you got extra minutes to do something. But I, here, here's what I firmly believe. If you focus on God and the fact that you say you love him, and you focus on building a relationship through communicating with him through prayer and through reading his word, here's what I firmly believe. Whatever amount of time you give, I believe you're going to find out it's not long enough sometimes because you're going to get into to a time of communion with God where 15 didn't do it, 20 didn't do it, 30 wasn't enough, an hour wasn't enough. The same way you get into that type of a flow with your spouse where, where, where you're spending time with them and the hour has gone by and now it's time to pick up the kids or they're coming home from school. You got to do this, you got to do that. And you're thinking, man, where did the time go? That's because you were focused on the one you're spending the time with. Not focused on what's going to happen after it. Not focused on how am I going to meet my quota. You were focused on that person. If you're not fixed and immovable in your private practice with God, you're never going to know the joy of a real relationship with God. It's, it's not about coming here. I mean, we're supposed to do this, but this, it isn't about coming to church. Jesus died to rebuild your relationship with his Father. A relationship was destroyed. Jesus was the way to fix it. Jesus did not die on a cross so we could come to church. Ooh, that was quiet. Thank you, Layla. You nodded your head. Jesus, I, I want to say it again. He did not die so we could come to church. Yes, Jesus inspired Paul to write, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. So we should gather together like this, but this is not why he died. He died to restore a right relationship between you and me and his father. So we need, to, we need to work on the relationship, not the motions that we go through. If you don't have a private practice with God, now this is harsh, but it's true. You have no right to expect anything from him. Because Jesus himself said, here's the promise. If you're fixed in secret, he's fixed in rewarding you openly. And, and some of us, oh, help me, Jesus. Some of us misplace our anger and our frustration and our agitation because my, you get blessed and I see you get blessed. And in the back of my mind, I think, oh, well, she don't deserve that. Why she, what's, what's this? That? And, and I don't understand that, Jeff, that could be a result of her private practice with God. 
God could be keeping up his end of the bargain. And so now, do I really want to get into a conversation where I'm telling God it's not fair when he's doing what he said he would do when she does what he told her to do? That's not a conversation I want to get involved in. I can never win that one, Teresa. The only place I'm going to find myself in in that conversation is on my knees saying, Father, forgive me because I was wrong. Some people fail publicly because of how they practice privately. If your private practice is inconsistent, sporadic, or non-existent, then you can't expect too much from God publicly on your behalf. How tough is it really if you don't have a consistent time? How tough is it really to say, God, I'm starting out today and I'm starting pitiful. I'm going to give you five. How, how hard is that? But, but if you have no starting point, if you have doing nothing, I challenge you. I challenge you. Give God five. And I don't mean a high five. Give him five. Set aside five minutes every day. God, this five minutes is you and me. But don't watch your watch when you do it. And I believe if you sincerely do that, I believe you're going to be, begin to see a change in you, a change in your relationship with God, a change in the way that you think about your relationship with God, a change in the way that you pursue God. I believe you're going to see all of this because you're giving God private, special time between him and you. And when you do that, God takes advantage of it. How many people here, and I want you to raise your hand if, you, if your gut's enough, got the guts. How many people here, my hand is already up, have screwed up a special private moment you had with your special somebody because you missed it, you didn't understand it? If we give God the time, he never screws it up. He is waiting for us to give him that special moment. He's ready to take advantage of it. Or are we ready to give it to him? Are we going to give it to him? Could you stand with me, please? <laughs> With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we, we just come before you right now. We're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful for your word. <clears throat> and God, as we stand here before you right now, God, you know all of our hearts. And God, I pray that as your word has gone out and you've acknowledged to us, Father, God, you've dealt with us, you've moved on us. And God, even as I'm praying right now, God, you're speaking to people's hearts and their minds, their souls right now, Father. And God, I pray that people would respond to you. They would respond to your spirit. They would respond to your word. God, I pray for those of us that, 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 are, that already have that time set aside. God, I pray that we just continue to dive into that further and further and, and not let anything di dis distract us from that, God. For those who might not have that special time set up yet, God, I pray that you would help us to, to just take that initiative and give you five. 
wherever we can find it, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, but God, to make a special attempt that we're going to give you this time. It's me and you. It's us and you and nobody else and nothing else, Father God. And we're going to focus on you for these few short moments. And God, when we do that, I know, I know you're going to come down and you're going to meet with us. You're going to commune with us. You're going to talk with us. And you're going to make that time even more special for us than we ever imagined. Father, I pray that we have a hunger and thirst for you and for relationship with you and and establishing that time and making it immovable. Father, I pray that you would just keep us as we leave this place, that we would continue to be your people, not just in word, but even more so in deed in the way that we conduct ourselves. And Father, we just thank you right now, God, as we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.